0: then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Back to Basics series. In these short episodes, we'll be covering things like the language of commercial property, simple strategies, and a general context of investing in commercial real estate. Our regular Thursday episodes will continue to provide deeper topic discussions and guest interviews with commercial investors and commercial industry experts. Our hope is to both inspire and provide the tools to help you build a solid cash flowing commercial property portfolio. So let's dive in. Welcome back to the Back to Basics series. As a follow up to the last episode, we're going to delve into a topic that can have a big impact on your investment strategies, namely that of property license agreements. This time around, we'll explore the advantages and disadvantages for customers. Whether you consider yourself a seasoned pro or new to the commercial property investing game, this episode will give you some valuable knowledge to be able to make more informed decisions about whether you use licenses. Now, last time we went into more depth about license agreements, in particular about the basic elements and some of the advantages and disadvantages from a landlord's point of view, some of the things that we've experienced as landlords. And in this short follow up episode, I want to share some of the reasons why they suit your potential customers and some of the downsides too, so that you can have informed conversations about how they work with potential customers for your commercial spaces. Now, I'm conscious that most of our content is based around the landlord or investor perspective, as it should be. After all, it is called the Commercial Property Investor Podcast and not, say, the Commercial Property Tenant Podcast. However, it's important to see things from the other side of the equation so we can view it from the client's perspective. We need to understand how these contracts work, both for the owner and for the occupants to be able to set expectations correctly and ultimately to be able to sell the benefits to our clients. Now, one last thing before we do of it. Whilst licenses are mainly associated with multi-let spaces, they are occasionally used for single-let properties where it suits the landlord and the customer to have a more flexible approach. So bear that in mind as we go through them. Okay, why would a customer choose to work with you under a license agreement, rather than a more traditional lease? Now there's lots of good reasons for that, but I've jotted down a few of the main ones. And something that we've experienced in the past is when a customer needs almost instant access. They maybe have a problem with their existing office. Maybe there's been a flood and they need disaster recovery. They need to be able to set up very quickly. A traditional lease doesn't really allow you to do that, whereas a license could be within 24 hours. Or it could be they've won a new contract, and part of the proviso for winning that contract is that they need to deal with something really quickly, get up and running really fast. So having the ability to get into flexible space under a license agreement allows a lot of that to happen much quicker. And coupled with that is that flexibility for short-term needs. So sometimes we let space for as short as a day, not that we do that too often, but it's possible under a license agreement to do it for a week, a month, six months, a year, whatever time frame you want to do. But that flexibility for customers who need short-term requirements can bring more customers too. For instance, let's say a filming company that wants to license a studio space. They don't need it forever. They just want a few months to shoot a particular production and then avoid the need for long-term commitment and investment. So short flexible term requirements can be much more suited to licenses. Another thing a license can do, not always, but can do is provide access to good locations. So a license agreement could allow a customer to gain access to properties in really good locations that might otherwise have been totally unaffordable for them or unavailable to lease or purchase. So for example, a small business owner might enter into a licence agreement to operate a shop within a popular shopping centre, giving them access to high footfall and visibility. And the use of licence is actually quite commonplace in shopping centres. Now, unlike a lease, a licence often brings less liability and maintenance responsibilities. Sometimes the utilities, building insurance and the compliance issues are responsibilities responsibility to the landlord. Now, this is reflected in the fee amount, so the landlord is not out of pocket, but the management of these elements is out of the occupant's hair. So they get one bill and can concentrate on making their business a success rather than trying to do any kind of building management. And licensing a property can reduce the financial commitment for the licensee. And in the main, it reduces really capital expenditures. Often this is a responsibility of the landlord and often the space is in a better condition than it maybe would be if you were taking on a lease. Plus they don't have a five or 10 year lease obligation sitting on their accounts. So if you've signed up for a five or 10 year lease, that's actually sitting there as a liability on your accounts. Now, just the same as you mentioned about a landlord a licensee can use the flexible model to test a concept or a market. So for instance, a pop-up shop owner can license a temporary space to test to see what customer response is going to be like and the viability of their offer without all the risks associated with a long-term lease or even purchasing a property. They can test it out. And often dilapidations are far less onerous or limited under a license. And this can be a significant cost when you come out at the end of a lease as a tenant. I've observed that on a few occasions where it's actually been the equivalent to about a year's rent. Quite a lot of money. Under licenses, there's not so much. You may still have some kind of dilapidations, but they're certainly not as onerous. Okay, so there are some of the upsides. But what about some of the downsides for the customer that we need to be aware of? It's important to have a clear understanding of what might be going through their mind as you discuss the potential of using a license. So the big one for in the main larger businesses is the uncertainty for future requirements. So just as flexibility gives great opportunities to test a concept or a market, the same flexibility means that it might not be possible to renew the license or if it works really well, the landlord might want to put up the fee. So for example, a licensee operating a restaurant may face some uncertainty about those regular license renewals which could potentially disrupt their business operations or their customer base. So they might prefer to have a lease, but they've got to weigh that up against the uncertainty of the market and going for five, 10 years versus testing things out. Difficult one, but it's just getting that different perspective. And with the licence does come less control over the property. Licence often have restrictions on customer use and modifications of the property. Now. That's not to say they won't be withheld, but again, would you want to invest all the capital to do that? And to be fair, the same is true under leases, you know, about having limited control over the property. But in practice, it's more common for alterations to be allowed under lease agreements. Now, if a licensee does invest a lot of capital into their space, then ideally they're going to want a longer term so they can sweat the asset. They can sweat the capital they've put in there. So again, a longer term lease might suit them better if they have big fit out costs for a license, means that they have to get that return in a much shorter period of time. As a tenant, a lease can be sold on and should retain value for the underlying business operation. So short term leases are not really assets you can sell on or licenses that you can sell on. So for example, if again, a restaurant or maybe a pub or a public house or bar, you built up a customer base as the tenant, and you've got 15 years on your lease left, and you've got this goodwill and a trading business, you can actually sell the lease on with the business. Whereas under licence in a short term, there's not really much there to sell on. Another consideration for the client. And again, also for you as a landlord, if you're going down the licence route, there, it might preclude certain clients. And the last one here is a licence agreement usually has a standard format and it isn't really up for negotiation. The customer often has to take it or leave it because the landlord spent their time going and setting up this license. We are not to take an example of ourselves. We occasionally tweak a license, but very seldom. It's generally, we've done this for a long time. This is the agreement, take it or leave it. I said in much nicer terms, of course. But from a client's point of view, in a lease, there's, everything's up for negotiation within reason on the condition of the market, whether it's a hot market or not in a license, a little bit less so. So it's important for ourselves as investors and our customers to carefully think through the advantages and disadvantages of using licenses and try to understand it from each other's point of view. Ultimately, the flexibility a license brings does mean that things are more dynamic and we as investors need to be more involved in the day-to-day process because there's more things going on Leases do tend to lead to a quieter life once they're set up, but they are quite stressful when a tenant moves out and we have to start over again entirely. There's a lot more to the implications of using licences or leases. It actually comes back to what you ultimately want though, and how will each help you towards or deflect you away from your goals. Make sure you consult with the legal and financial boffins to ensure your decisions align with those objectives and don't be afraid to challenge their thinking. Now, I haven't asked this question for a while. Are you subscribed to the podcast? It's an easy thing to do. It ensures you stay tuned for future episodes and it helps make us more visible to other investors. So please take the two seconds it does to subscribe. From our side, we'll continue to explore lots of topics and share insights to pull back the veil on the fantastic but murky world of commercial property investing. Thanks for joining me and until next time, Happy investing. Hi there, I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you, will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast? And that's really important, because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app. Pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.